Thanks for listening to the Cool Church Podcast. We're praying that wherever you are on this journey, that this message encourages you. And we wanted you to know that you were created out of love. And now, here's today's message with our very own Pastor Joanne Wilson. If you got your Bibles, I want you to turn to Luke. Luke chapter 4. Verses 14 through 30. We're going to read a, a, a lot of the Bible today. Let me see here. Luke chapter 4, verses 14 through 30. They read uh, something like this. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. This is right after Jesus gets tempted in the wilderness. He returns to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. And news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. He taught in their synagogues and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. It's like me going back to Carroll City. Come on, somebody. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as was his custom. If it was Jesus' custom to be in church on the Sabbath, it needs to be our custom too. Amen? I love that. And he stood up to read the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, unrolling it. He found a place where it is written, the spirit of the Lord is on me. I love this. Because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind and to release the oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. If you believe that God has a year of favor in store for you, why don't you make some noise in this place? Mm-mm-mm. That's a good word. That's some good news. Then he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him and they began saying to them, and he began to, uh, by saying to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at his gracious words that came from his lips. But then look at this, underline this. Isn't that Joseph's son? Isn't that Joseph's son? I hate when people try to act like they know me. Ain't that, ain't that Miss Wilson's son? They asked. Jesus said to them, surely you will quote this proverb to me. Physician, heal yourself. Do here in your hometown what we have heard that you, have did, that you did in Capernaum. I tell you the truth, he continued, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. Mm. I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time when the sky was shut for three and a half years and there was severe famine throughout the land, yet Elijah was not sent to any of them, but to the widow, the widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon. And there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha the prophet, yet not one of them was cleansed, only Naaman the Syrian. All the people, get this, these next few verses are crazy. All the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up and drove him out of town and took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him down the cliff. Ain't that something? <laughs> I love this. But he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. Amen? I love how unbothered Jesus is. He was like, excuse me, 
walked right through the crowd and went on his way. If you're taking notes, we're starting a brand new series today. Y'all get ready for it. You've already been seeing it on the screen called Divine Disruptions. I don't know about y'all, I need a divine disruption in my life. Divine disruptions. And if you're taking notes on this particular sermon today, I've entitled it The Divine Disruptor. The Divine Disruptor. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this day. For this is the day that you have made. God, let us rejoice and be glad that God, I thank you that before the earth began to spin on its axis, you knew each and every human that was going to be a part of hearing this message today or watching it online or being here in person. And God, I pray that I would lie down as you rise up. Don't let these words be my own, but let them come directly from your throne room of grace. God, I pray that you would open hearts, minds, and ears to be open and receptive to a word that will always and only be about Jesus. God, I pray that somebody that is far will come near. Somebody that is lost will be found. Somebody that is blind can see. God, I pray, God, that you do the work that only you can do because when the word goes forth, we know it never, ever returns void. And God, I pray that in this season, the last month of the year, you will be the, dis the divine disruptor in somebody's life. Show up in a way that they weren't expecting. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody set? Everybody set? Take about five seconds and give Jesus Christ a shout of praise. Come on. Thank y'all. Don't go too far, though. I'm going to need y'all again a little bit. Y'all give it up for the band one time. Mm, the divine disruptor. So... You know, I've been telling y'all that our church is merging, the Fountain Church is merging into Cool Church, and they will be called Cool Church as well. We'll be one big happy family. Uh, we're going to have that service on New Year's Eve, but then the very first time where we'll be one church, three locations online, Miramar and Miami Gardens will be January 7th. When you walk in here January 7th, it's going to be a little bit different, but it's going to be the same at the whole time. The, the, the reason it's going to feel a little bit different because we won't just be doing this thing here on this campus. We're going to be doing it across town. And the other reason that may feel a little bit different for you, because if you're used to coming to this campus, the service times will be changing. We will start at 9 a.m. at the Miami Gardens campus, and then right here we will do church at 11 a.m. and 1 p.m. So you got to decide which service you want to go to. If you like staying early, you can go over to the Miami Gardens campus. But if, if you say, you know what, oh, I get a little more sleep. I could pull up to the 11, or I could pull up to the 1, that's going to be fine. But I promise you, it's still going to be the same old cool church that you know and love. We're just going to be impacting more people. And the church said? Amen. So, throughout this merger process, um, we've been going over to the fountain a lot, myself and, and, and the rest of the team. And we've been doing meetings over there. We've been meeting with their staff, and we've been trying to gain some synergy, trying to figure out how to work together, how we're going to do all this stuff. A couple Mondays back, we went over there to do our normal staff chapel, but this was, this was a, a Monday that was around uh, Thanksgiving. And there was a bunch of boxes of cereal at the fountain. I, I mean, hundreds of boxes. And there's a local food pantry, the Pisca Pantry, who will be helping uh, in the future as well. They came to pick up all the cereal. I'm talking about hundreds of boxes. So, so those boxes were being donated so people that needed, you know, those items would get those items. So 
before our staff meeting. I said, hey, y'all, we got to load up this, this cereal on these trucks, man, because people, people need this stuff. So, so me, the type of person that I am, yeah, I am, I am hyper OCD, but I, I can be hyper organized when I need to be. Everything has to have a structure. I always like to have a plan. I hate just walking into something. I just got to know that everything is set up. Is there anybody else like that out there so I know I'm not crazy? Okay, all right. So I like having a plan. So I took the team, there were about five to six of us, and I said, all right, y'all, we're going to start an assembly line. From the table where the boxes of cereal are, we're going to stretch it out all the way out the door to where the truck is. I need somebody on the truck that is loading. I will be at the front of the line right here, and I'll be grabbing the cereal, and we will pass the cereal down the line, get it on the truck, and we're going to load it up. Don't that sound like a good plan? A little assembly line. So we get the thing going, right? And I, man, I, I'm, a, I'm a fishing. I start to get in the rhythm. I'm like, boom, 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 boom. Start to become a dance, you know what I'm saying? We passing the cereal down the aisle. Everything's going great. We're, we're crushing this. We get about halfway through, and the funniest thing happens. My wife, Pastor Joanne, walks in. Now, me and Joanne, you know how they say opposites attract? I am very streamlined. My wife is what I would like to call more spontaneous. So I love, I love, she walked, she walked in and I, I, I knew, I just, I, I knew she was going to look at what we was doing and she was, she, she was going to be like, she was, she walked in like this, like, we like, I'm like this, boom, 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 boom. Here come my wife. Hmm. Let's see. Can I, how, how can I insert myself in this? My wife, let me tell you what she does. She does not get in the line. She comes to the front of the line where I am. I'm grabbing two boxes of cereal at a time. My wife grabs five. She takes the five. You think she passed them to me? No, she takes the five and she goes directly to the truck. Drops them off, which throws off the person that's in the truck because he's trying to make sure that it's stacked uh, nice and neat. And what happens is there is a ripple effect from the table to the truck because now my wife has become an agent of chaos. <laughs> and she has broken the system that I have so diligently set up. <laughs> now, instead of everybody grabbing two boxes of cereal from me, it's cereal flying all over the place. We all got all kinds of boxes going everywhere. Everybody's now running to the table trying to get boxes. It becomes a race from the table to the truck. Who could put the most boxes on the truck at, at one time? And I'm sitting here like, Lord, what has happened? Why art thou forsaking me? And she just going, minding her business. And eventually we get all the cereal on the truck. And she says, see, wasn't that faster? <laughs> I wish I was exaggerating how that story went. And I said, I was like, wow, my, my wife is a whole black Air Force One. Like she just, she is a menace. She is a whole menace to society. I, 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 lo I love her. Now, 
my, my wife shifted the plan. She saw something and she shifted a plan. Now, did we get that done as fast as maybe we could have? I don't know. She might argue and say it got done faster. But you know what the best result of that whole interaction was? Y'all, I ain't gonna lie. We were laughing the entire time. She took a menial task that, that could have just been boring and mundane, and she came in and disrupted the rhythm we had, and it became the most fun moment that we had that entire morning. What, what, what did the, the, the chaos brought some fun to something that was very normal? And we all got in staff meeting and we were all cracking up because we was like, yo, Joanne is a menace. <laughs> but she brought, she brought joy to the process because how many of you know, it's one thing to do something well, it's a whole other thing to have fun while you're doing it. She brought some joy to the occasion with her control chaos, if you will. And I tell you this story today because I need somebody to hear me when I say this. I'm not going to yell this. I'm not going to preach this. I'm just going to say this, that not all disruptions are bad. Some are divine. Some are divine. The very word disruption it gets a bad rap because of one of its many multiple uh, meanings. And the first uh, meaning of disruption is a disturbance or problems which interrupt an event, activity, or a process. Y'all, it's December. It's December, and if, if, if you could be honest... They say that this is true, that there's a lot of people that are depressed around this time of year. From Thanksgiving all the way to Christmas because they had a normal routine of how those things would happen. But now, because there's been a disruption in their life, those holidays don't feel the same anymore. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Maybe you lost a loved one recently. I know what that feels like. And... The joy, the normal joy you go into the holidays with is different because there's been a disruption. Yeah. I, I, what I don't want to do is just preach joy to the world and, 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 and be callous to the fact that there are some people that may not be feeling the joy of the season because their life has been disrupted. But I want you to understand that not all disruptions are bad. I know it may be hard right now. I know these holiday times right now might be drudging up memories, things that you don't even want to think about because it makes you feel like, it makes you, it makes you miss all the things that you have lost. But how many of you know, just because your life has been disrupted, it does not mean that your life is over. Not all disruptions are bad, family. Some disruptions are divine, which leads me to my second definition or Webster's second definition of disruption. It, the disruption is not a problem. I love this. It's a radical change to an existing industry. A radical change to an existing industry or market due to technological innovation. The word disruption gets a bad rap, but 
if you also look at the second definition of the word, disruption is essential to innovation. Disruption is essential to innovation. And you all know the stories. Amazon disrupted the retail world. I probably buy more stuff from Amazon than anywhere else now, y'all. I got packages coming up constantly. I have a problem. I need to have myself checked. <laughs> right? Netflix has disrupted the movie industry. Like, y'all remember, remember the days where you felt like you were something because you had a Blockbuster card? <laughs> Every Friday night, I had a Blockbuster right across the street. I was in there picking out the videos. I felt like I was something. And then one day this little thing came, came along called Netflix. I was like, what is Netflix? What is that? Whatever. I still got my Blockbuster card. <laughs> Ain't no Blockbusters no more. <laughs> Netflix came and innovated in the industry making Blockbuster obsolete. Spotify disrupted the music world. When the last time you went out and bought a CD? Some of these kids like, what's a CD? <laughs> Uber interrupted the taxi and the food industry. Lord, when I get hungry, I'm like, Uber, what you got for me today? Right? Smartphones and social media, they disrupted the communication industry. And electric cars, they are disrupting the automotive industry today. Yeah. AI has disrupted the creative industry. The writers just got over their strike. And what were they striking for? AI. Disruptive. But here's what we have to know. If the status quo doesn't change, we won't grow. If the things that are normal, the things that are commonplace, the things we're used to, if they don't change, we cannot grow. And today, I wanted to start this series that will be in all December long called Divine Disruptions because we are in the 12th month of the year and there are still people in this room or watching online. You still have not had a breakthrough. you like, God... That pastor told me on January 1st, this going to be my year breakthrough. It is December 3rd. I have not gotten a breakthrough yet. And that pastor, according to my watch, got till December 31st for that prophecy to come through. Some of y'all looking at me, right? Remember what you said? I know what I said. I know exactly what I said. You haven't had a breakthrough. It's been 12 months. You haven't had the breakthrough. And I believe it's because you haven't leaned into your disruption. It's not that you haven't had the breakthrough. You just... I could have saw my wife, what my wife did as confusion. I could have saw it as nonsense. But we found joy in it. Why? Because we leaned into the disruption. The only difference between a distraction and a, disrupt and a disruption is your perspective. How are you seeing what's happening to you? He was like, God, 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 it's been 11 months. And you ain't do nothing. And God's like, I've been doing stuff. But, 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 but you thought it was a distraction when it was really a, dis a divine disruption. I, I was trying to shake your world up a little bit because it was too boring the way that you were doing it. But you got mad because you didn't want things to change. It's funny how people want things to change, but they don't want things to change. 
You, 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 you don't want the divine disruption. You don't want the, the breakthrough. Y'all, we're only sitting here today is, that's about to be a church that's one church in three locations because in February of 2022, I got a divine disruption. Pastor, hey, come, come, come out. Come out to, uh, to, to, to breakfast with me. Uh, Pastor, I said, sure. Pa- Pastor Lome, he said, I, 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 I got a thought. What, what you think about us putting these two churches together so that I can retire and you can continue to carry on this mantle? That was a divine disruption. If I didn't look at it like that, I could have saw it as a distraction and I could have been so focused on doing my own thing that I didn't do God's thing. Oh, Pastor, no, 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 I'm, 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 I'm good. That's cute. You can find somebody. Else. I'm going to just do what I'm doing over here. I could have missed out on an opportunity to expand God's kingdom because I saw a divine disruption like a distraction. I love Jesus because he is the king of divine disruptions. He's the king of it. Jesus was a disruptor of political, social, and the religious status quo of his day. And it frustrated the Pharisees. It didn't just frustrate them, though. It frustrated normal people. It even frustrated the people from where he came from. They, they, were, they were upset at him because he did not do things like everybody else. He was a disruptor, a disruption. He was a, a misfit. He was a disruptor. And there may be some things in this season, y'all, that you have counted as chaos when in fact they're really divine disruptions that Jesus is allowing in your life to grow you. Let me ask you this question. Would you recognize a divine disruption if you saw one? Would you recognize a divine disruption if you saw one? Look at Jesus, man. He goes into the church as was his custom in his hometown of Nazareth. He picks up the scroll of Isaiah because they would always have somebody reading scripture. He picks it up and he reads this prophecy, man. What an amazing prophecy. And I love this because this is one of those things that qualify him as the Messiah, as the chosen one. He goes in and he reads the scroll of Isaiah and I'm gonna read it again in in Luke chapter four, verses 18 and 19. He says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and the recovery of sight for the blind to release the oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. If somebody walked up in the joint and they read that out loud to me and they were saying I'm the one that's about to fulfill this I wouldn't be mad. I'd be excited. Because I'm like, you know what? Change has come. And I want somebody that hears that prophecy of Isaiah to hear the good news today. That Jesus wants to disrupt your poverty with abundance. Jesus wants to disrupt your broken heart with a brand new heart that is ready for love. Jesus wants to disrupt your bondage with freedom from generational curses for whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Jesus wants to 
to disrupt your blindness with a vision, with a purpose for your future. And I'm telling you, Jesus wants to disrupt your oppression by making you a victor instead of a victim. If you believe it, say amen. Jesus literally is reading from the prophet Isaiah, and this is a prophecy about divine disruption. Jesus is literally like, hey, I'm coming to change some stuff. You ready for it? I'm, I'm here to change. He says this, and look how they respond to him. Like, this is Jesus, man. Could you imagine, like, Jesus on this stage reading scripture? Look how they respond. Luke 4, 20 to 22. They said, then he rolled up the scroll. He gave it back to the attendant. He sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. So they were intrigued because it was like, okay, this is different. He, he reading this thing today. He began saying to them, listen to what he says about what he just read. Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Y'all. All spoke well of him and were amazed. They, they, they said some good stuff at the gracious words that came from his lips. But then they said, y'all, isn't this Joseph's son? We know him. What are you talking about? How he going to be the prop? Nah. What? Isn't this Joseph's son? They ask. I love this because when he says, today, the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing, what he's actually doing is so beautiful how eloquently he made one statement, he answered two questions. Today, the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So what's he saying? Hey, y'all. Isaiah, when he was talking about giving sight to the blind and freeing the prisoners and stuff, you know who he was talking about? He was talking about me. You looking at the fulfillment of the prophecy. Who was Isaiah talking about? Jesus. But there's the other question he asked, he's answering for him. Hey, y'all, um, what, what, you know when this is going to happen? Now. He says, Today. He says, you are in the middle of the miracle right now. I'm looking at you right. That might be a word for somebody today because some of like, when, God, when you, go, when you going to change it? He's like, today. In the hearing of my word, today. Today. Do you recognize what you're in the middle of, in, middle of right now? T -t -t today. And who's always going to be the answer to your problem? Today, yesterday, tomorrow, every other day that comes after it, Jesus is always going to be the answer to your problem. Jesus, right now, it's about him. Today, he's saying, hey, this is what Jesus is actually saying. Hey, y'all, I came to interrupt your regularly scheduled program. I, I came to be a divine disruption. And their response to him was, isn't that Joseph's son? Like, I, I can see him, like, I know I've been, I've been in church my whole life. So I know how church folk be, 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 be tooting up their faces. Ain't that Joseph's son? <laughs> I love church folk, but church folk be doing some stuff. Y'all know. Ain't that, ain't that, ain't <laughs> that Joseph? Why they got to lean back when they say, ain't that Joseph's son? Ain't <laughs> that Joseph's son? The problem with this was, this was a response of resentment because they were amazed at how Jesus communicated the word, but they resented him because they thought this could never come from somebody they already knew. And here's what I want. 
This is going to bless somebody. If you catch this, this might change your life. Don't be so quick to meet disruption with resentment because it seems familiar. I'm going to take it even further. I ain't going to say it again. I'm going to take it further, though. Why was disruption familiar to them? I'm going to tell you why. Their problem was they were so familiar with dysfunction, they mistook it for a disruption. Man, this could bless somebody today. Some of us can't tell the difference between disruption and dysfunction. And we think that God is not showing up in our lives when the truth is we're so used to dysfunction that when a divine disruption happens, we can't tell the difference. Huh. Like... You're so familiar. There are some of us, not all of y'all, but some of us are so familiar with bad relationships, you sabotage good relationships because you think the disruption of the new thing is going to be like the usual dysfunction of your old thing. You don't give a new person a chance because you used to all the messed up people you always been with. And you say things like, all men are dogs. All women are trying. All? All? Or maybe the five you've been with. All? I promise you I'm going to be nicer next week. You are so familiar with people using you, you sabotage when somebody really wants to bless you because you think the disruption is like your usual dysfunction. You're so familiar with church hurt. You sabotage when God's people show you love because you think this disruption is like your usual dysfunction. These people were so familiar with the dysfunction of their religion, that the divine disruption of Jesus was met with resentment, y'all. And never, ever, hear me, never allow a, a divine disruption to become familiar to y'all. Y'all, none of this should be so commonplace for you. Like being a part of what God's doing here should not be so familiar that it becomes ineffective. That's the problem that they had in that church. It's like, because you saw Jesus grow up, because you knew who his mama and who his daddy was, you thought that when it was his time to, to show you that he was anointed, because he was familiar to you, he had no power. If being a part of this house is familiar with you, is too familiar to you, I, I, want you to, I want you to start to change your perspective. And my word to you is today, come with expectation. Come with, like, like, you know when church is the best for me? When I come expecting God to do something. If I just come thinking, oh, I know what he's about to say next. Oh, I know, I, I, I know this song. We done sang it 20 times already. Okay, it's the offering. If, if you come in here like that, you will never fully get what God wants you to get from his house. Come with a heart of expectation. People's lives have become boring because they've become too familiar. Like, I don't know about you, 
I need a divine disruption in my life. I need a divine disruption to help me be a better dad to my kid. I need a divine disruption to be a better husband to my wife. I need a divine disruption to keep growing this house the way that God has called me to do. Why? Because I don't want to be boring. I don't want to do the same thing every day. You know why people hate their jobs? Because they go there and do the same thing every day. They don't innovate. They don't change. They don't look for anything new. When God is saying, I'm trying to shake things up, you need a divine disruption. Some of you are mad when you get disrupted, but you're only getting disrupted so God can change the status quo. He does not want you to be normal. You're not created to be normal. God says, hey, I created a new thing. Can you not perceive it? Can you not see it? I am making a way where there is no way, but some of y'all just want to keep going the whole way when God says, I'm disrupting you. I'm changing your path because on your own, you will go down the path of least resistance, but I'm providing resistance so you can change your direction because if you change your direction, you can grow into who I've called you to be if you believe it. Say amen. Some of you are mad when the thing comes in front of you to disrupt you. When it's only been put there for you to change your direction. I need divine disruption. Because when God allows divine disruption into my life, question is always going to be, will I recognize it? Or will I ignore it? Because it seems too familiar. Or will I allow it to advance me to another level? And lastly, as the man comes back up, don't get mad when you're disrupted by the truth. <laughs> oh. This is this the smoke nobody wants. <clears throat> don't get mad when you are disrupted by the truth. See, the, the, their familiarity with Jesus, it caused a resentment. And Jesus, he don't, he don't even care. He's like, oh, you mad? I'll make you even more mad. He goes on to tell them the truth about what they are thinking. He didn't even let them speak. He's like, all he hears is, ain't that Joseph's son? And then Jesus is like this. He petty. He's like, hey, let me tell you what you're about to say next. This, this is Jesus. Let me, let me tell you. And it, it infuriates them, y'all. It infuriates. He says, Luke 4, 23 through 24 says, Jesus said to them, Surely you will quote this proverb to me. He's telling, he's God. He knows exactly what they're thinking. Surely you will quote this proverb to me. Physician, heal yourself. Wait, don't play yet. I don't need the spiritual part yet. Just stay there. Physician, heal yourself. And you will tell me. He goes on to say what they're going to say. Do here in your hometown what we have heard that you did in Capernaum. They heard about the miracles you did. We want you to do that stuff here too. Right? He says, truly I tell you, he continue, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. And he goes on to tell him about Elijah and how he did not heal all the widows that were in his hometown. He went out and he blessed the one that was an outsider. I love this because that's an Old Testament story that's trying to show us grace. God, God was like, hey, y'all Jewish people, I, I, lo I love y'all, but I, I want you to know that I didn't come, just come for y'all. I came for everybody. So I'm going to bless the one that you don't expect. Elisha, he doesn't heal all the lepers that are in Israel. He goes out and finds a guy named Naaman. 
and he heals him. Why? Once again, God says, I'm not going to heal who you think I'm going to heal. I'm here for everybody. I'm not just here for a selective group of people. I'm here for all my children. Right? So he tells them about Elijah and Elisha. And I, 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 and I, I love this. I, I love this because Jesus, he understands that it's easy to doubt the power of God among those that are the most familiar with us. And here's what I want to help somebody with today because I, I, I've probably done this in my life because I got too familiar. But never strip Jesus of his, of his divinity with your familiarity. If he disrupts you, the miracle is in motion. Right? Look at this. I love this. Charles Spurgeon, a famous theologian, said it like this. He says, I, I love this quote. He says, I learned from this incident, he's talking about this passage, in our Lord's life, that it is not the preacher's business to seek to please his congregation. Amen. Listen, if he labors for that end, he will in all probability not attain it. But if he should succeed in gaining it, what a miserable success it would be. Charles Spurgeon. Hey, let me translate that for somebody. Jesus didn't come to entertain you. He disrupted your life with the truth to change you. Some of y'all waiting every Sunday for Jesus to put on a show. What they going to do this week? I'm here to entertain you. I'm here to give you truth. Truth that will change you. Truth that will change you. I, I, I love this because look what happens now. Luke 4, 28 through 30 says, all the people, so he gives them truth that they didn't want to hear. All the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They went from being amazed at what he said to being furious. Right? Then they got up, drove him out of the town, took him to throw him down the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. Jesus says, I'm the Messiah, y'all, and I'm here today to change your life. Hey, we don't like this dude. Let's throw him off a cliff. If Jesus was in front of you, would you kill him? Oh, they said that too. They said that too, right? I, I, I love this. Jesus gave the people a word that they needed, but they wanted to kill him because they didn't get the word that they wanted. They wanted a miracle, but they needed the truth. They wanted the miracle, but they needed the truth. The miracle may have helped them for the moment, but the truth will set them free forever. You see, Jesus doesn't just read the scroll. He, like, he, he just read a scroll that says, hey, I'm here to set the captives free. They didn't want freedom. They wanted a temporary miracle that'll help them for a moment. Here's what I want you to hear. Don't reject Jesus when he disrupts you with truth because you want a Band-Aid and he knows he has to do surgery. He said, oh, what you talking about? I'll give you an example. Jesus doesn't or may have not gotten you out of that relationship easily because the truth is you needed to learn to be a better judge of character. 
That's the truth. God, get me out of this. He's like, nope, I need you to feel this so you never do this again. That's the truth. Right? Jesus, Jesus, Jesus didn't heal you like you wanted. Because the truth is, you needed to learn to be a better steward of your temple. God, please take this cholesterol away. He's like, stop eating donuts. Stop frying everything. Drink water instead of soda. You need to learn. I promise you I'll never eat another Krispy Kreme again. No. You need to get some discipline in your life. He's not just going to take it away because he's trying to teach you the truth about your real problem. Because if he heals you and you keep doing what you're going to do, you're going to have the same problem again anyway. I promise you I'll be nicer next week, but I'm going to still give you the truth. Jesus didn't get you the new job. Because the truth is, you needed to learn what being committed to something looks like even when you don't like it. God, deliver me from this boss. No, he's a divine disruption that I have put in front of you so you can learn, one, how to appreciate what I give you, and two, how not to run and cut tail every time something gets hard. Deal with it. Deal with it. Right? Oh, this, don't get mad. I'm going to just say it. Don't get mad. Don't, get, don't throw me off a cliff. <laughs> Jesus didn't let the pastor pray for you. Because the truth is, you needed to learn how to pray for your doggone self. I love you. And we pray for you all the time. But please believe that you have the power to pray for yourself. Some of y'all, some of you stuck in the same, you wait, please, oh, I, oh, I can't wait. It, it, it could take me a month, take me a year. I'm going to get this pastor to pray for me. Meanwhile, God's like, why don't you open your mouth? You, you waiting for somebody that you think is more sp- spiritually uh, bigger than you or better. What, what are you talking We all human. For all of sin and falling short of the glory of God. What makes your, 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 your prayers powerful, what makes your prayers effective is your faith. Hmm. Hey, this is real. Because some of y'all are like, God deliver me from this. Jesus didn't stop the attacks of the enemy on your life because the truth is you needed to get into your own doggone word and learn how to swing your sword for yourself. You say it, no weapon formed against me shall prosper, but the enemy, he knows the sword better than you, so he got a sword and you sitting there talking about no weapon formed against me. You have no defense, you have no offense, you have nothing because you don't know God's word. I like you. Come every week. (laughs) Jesus is not a people pleaser. Never has been. Never will be. He doesn't, listen, Jesus does not use our approval as a measure of his success. He's like, I'm going to give you the truth whether you like. I love you, but I'm going to give you the truth. He won't do what you want just because you want it. He'll disrupt you with the truth because that's what you need to be who he has called you to be. Now you can play the keys. Oh man, right on time. Let's look at the end of this verse and wrap this, amen? Luke 4, 29 through 30. They got up. They drove him out the town and took him to the brow of the hill on which The town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. But, I love that, he walked right through the crowd 
and went on his way. The funny thing is the people wanted a miracle from Jesus. Hey, do the stuff that you did in Capernaum, man. We heard about how you was turning water into wine and all that stuff. We could use some wine right now. I'm just saying, Jesus, we need you to do something. Show us. Prove to us who you are. They wanted Jesus to perform a miracle. The funny thing is that Jesus actually performs one. It just wasn't the miracle that they were expecting. He performs one. Say, Jesus, we can't stand you. You said you didn't want to perform no miracles. So they took him to the edge of the cliff. Just like, hey man, y'all, y'all chill, y'all, y'all play too much. We need a miracle though. All right, I got you. And he just slid on out. He the miracle that he performs is amazing because it's not the one that they expected, but it had to take some type of miracle. For because y'all. Back in those days, when they threw you off a cliff, it, it, it might not even been like a tall cliff. It could have literally been like a hill like this. It could have been like this in the distance from this station's floor. They would throw you off a cliff because that was preparation for stoning. So they would push you off the cliff and then they would take rocks and they would stone you because they wanted to kill him for the things that he was saying. And I, I love this. Jesus is like, nah, Ain't my time. I, I, I love this because it's even a foreshadowing. They wanted to kill. In the beginning of Jesus' ministry, they wanted to kill an innocent man. My God. My God. Just set, All Luke is doing is setting up what Jesus is going to do in the end anyway. Right? I, I love this because he performs a miracle by evading this crowd. How does Jesus evade this crowd that wants to kill him? Here's what you have to understand biblically. That if Jesus is pushed off that cliff, whether it's a high cliff, whether it's a low cliff, if Jesus is pushed off of that cliff, God has to respond. Can you clarify that with the Bible? If Jesus is pushed off that cliff, God has to send angels to catch him. Why? Because that's what God said. You say, how do you know that? Even the devil knows that. Because he tried to use it against Jesus. Matthew 4, 6 says, If you are the Son of God, he said, Throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you that they will lift you up in their hands and you will not strike your foot against the stone. The devil is quoting Psalms 91, verses 11 through 12. That is a promise. If the Son of Man will fall, God's like, No, I got you. Don't worry. So if they'd have pushed him off that cliff, guess what? They would have seen easily that he was the Messiah because the angels would have had to respond to his very falling. If the angels have to respond to his falling and they see his, his, his divinity, then they're going to respond to him totally different, aren't they? So God's like, I got it. Instead of revealing his divinity before it's time because it was not time for the world to see that yet, I love it because God has a divine disruption in that moment. And what he does is, some way, somehow, we don't know how he did it. The theologians have been debating this forever. But many believe that God divinely interrupted that moment where they wanted to kill Jesus by either confusing the people, blinding the people, or even freezing the people in place so that they did not lay a finger on Jesus and he could pass right through the crowd. There was some kind of heavenly interruption. 
Maybe God confused them. Maybe they blinded them for a moment. Or maybe they were just stuck like this. And Jesus was like, excuse me. Excuse me. Something happened from heaven that interrupted the people from killing the man of God. And I want somebody to hear me today. There are some people in here today and there's some people that are watching online that need God to cause a disruption in their life that confuses, that blinds, and that stops the enemy in his tracks. When you feel like you on the edge, when you feel like you about to fall and you have nowhere else to go. Jesus shows us that God will create a divine disruption for the enemy so that you can escape to freedom. Qualify that with scripture. For I love what 1 Corinthians 10, 13 tells me. There is no temptation that is overtaking you except for what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Today, you may feel trapped, but God is always ready with the divine disruptor, and his name is Jesus. Redemption before creation, and he's going to make a way for you to escape a life of sin, a life of shame, a life of guilt, and a life of pain. All you need to do is allow him to disrupt the life that you have been living to give you the truth, because the truth shall set you free. If you believe it, say amen. Some of you on the edge and you need God to disrupt it. Some of you in pain and you need a disruption in your pain. Some of you live in guilt and you need a disruption in your guilt. Some of you are living shame. But can I tell you that Jesus died on the cross to disrupt your shame? He came to disrupt your sorrow. He came to disrupt your depression. He came to disrupt your anxiety. I don't know who I'm talking to, whether here or online, but I'm telling you, if you open your life to the divine disruptor, his name is Jesus. I'm not promising you that everything is going to be perfect, but he will step in and disrupt your life in a moment and it will never be the same again. He wants to give you abundance for Christ said that I have come, that you would live life and life more abundantly. I'm here to tell somebody you don't have to keep living to what the status quo says your life doesn't have to be boring some of y'all looking for adventure all you got to do is sign on with the divine disruptor and he will bring joy and peace and adventure and greatness and and fun into your life because he loves you and he wants to take you from where you were to who he called you to be but you have to allow him to disrupt you Are you ready for a disruption today? 11 months down, wanting to go, and God's been waiting to disrupt your life. Will you let him? Will you make way for a divine disruption? With every head bowed and every eye closed. Thank you so much for listening. To hear more messages like this one, please be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel. And if you like what you heard, 
please consider sharing with your friends because it helps so much. Don't forget to connect with us at our website, thecoolchurch.com. And be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at We Are Cool Church. And always remember that you were created out of love.